You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Shakespeare to Schwartz, from Fosse to Alvin Ailey, from Sondheim to Borellis, from McNally to Faye, it happened to the greats, it still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. When lightning strikes, where you're meant to go, you can stand and shout your Welcome to When Lightning Strikes, where we talk about your proverbial light bulb, when it goes off, your heavens open, the seas part, that wondrous, heart-thumping, tingly, glorious mic drop moment when you discovered you had to be an artist. My guest today is Tedra Milan, who has worked with some extraordinary people. This is just a tiny smattering, a smattering of the people who she's worked with, Kevin Klein, Christine Nielsen, Jesse Eisenberg, Kate Burton, Lila Neugebaker, Susan Sarandon, Sam Rockwell, on and on, on, on. She's been in Present Laughter, The Wolves, Happy Talk, The Flick, Fosse Verdon. Wow. Welcome. How are you? Hey. <laughs> um, uh, thanks for that intro. Wow. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm good. I'm as good as I can possibly be in this scary, scary time. How are you? Thanks for asking. I'm okay. I'm okay. It's a very, very surreal time. I'm just trying to, a piece of me thinks, oh God, I, I have to uh, be so productive. And I think about how Shakespeare wrote King Lear during the Black Plague. And I thought, oh, I think, oh, my, where's my King Lear? Um, mm-hmm. So there's that pressure. And then I read uh, some some pieces where it said, it's okay, you just have to get through. So, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, I'm trying to find that middle ground mm-hmm. um, of, of being productive and uh, feeling creatively nourished, but not driving myself crazy. That, so, that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing to to uh, to nourish yourself creatively? Or to the nourish myself. I mean, <laughs> it's so it's so weird that I mean, acting is such a team sport, so it's it feels pretty weird to not be able to do what I do. Um, but I am doing some Zoom readings and things. But besides that, just as a human being, um, I've become a walking cliche like everyone else. I'm baking bread. Um, I've, I'm painting, I'm watercoloring, I'm trying to read, but I can't really seem to focus. 
Um, I've become an avid farmer, but I'm in my Brooklyn apartment and I have no plots of land. I don't even have a fire escape. Um, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I'm planting, I'm, I'm just using all of my excess vegetables and I have a cabbage growing and a carrot and um, a leek and an onion and oregano and all sorts of things around my house that are um, not incredibly great smelling. Um, <laughs> That's right. Like, like hydroponics kind of thing? Like, how is this happening in an apartment? Because yeah. I need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about this, okay. but you just, you just cut the end of your vegetable. And then, so you cut like right at the bottom of your onion where you weren't, you wouldn't use that stuff anyway. And then you put it in water, you submerge it, and then it just, it's magic. It just starts growing at the bottom and then it'll start growing through the top. And then I've just planted one of my onions in soil because the roots got long enough. It's pretty amazing. Are you sprouting <laughs> onions that you can actually consume? Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Wow. My leek just grew, grew so much, um, and I can eat that. Yeah, it's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I had a whole conversation <laughs> yesterday about composting with a friend of mine. because She was saying the city stopped, set very sadly stopped its composting pro- um, uh, program, but she's obsessed with figuring out the best ways to compost. Without having to talk to your friend. Yeah. But you can do it on your own. She yeah, I will find all the details. You've done so many varied projects, roles, film, TV, right? Theater, off Broadway, on Broadway. What was your lightning strikes moment? When did you know you had to be an artist? Um, mine struck me at a pretty young age. Um, I was five years old (laughs) and I don't know how I can possibly remember this, but it's very vivid in my mind. I was doing this, um, kindergarten show called Ben and me, which I recently found out was a 1953 Disney movie. I had no idea, but it's about Ben Franklin and his printing press and naturally his best friend, who's a mouse named Amos. And I played Amos the Mouse, and I remember doing the show, and I was sort of like a comic character, and I remember making the audience laugh, and this feeling that I think probably every actor has felt, where it's like, oh, wow, there's there are magnets in this room, we're all connected, I'm having this effect on people, they're having this effect on me, and it's kind of this perfect storm, and how do I get more of this? And so I remember that moment. I, I, I mean, I was so young, but I, it was so profound. And then um, my mom said that my teacher went up to me at the end of the performance and said, um, your daughter has something. I blah, 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 blah. It was, yeah. So it confirmed it for me. And then um, I just, I, I very early found this weird calling. Um, and I was also a kid who was very creative and didn't know I always had friends but I wasn't always in you know like the cool group even at five years old and so it was also the feeling of like oh I belong this is this is sweet what's this yeah that's so great that the teacher recognized that I know thank you teacher thank you teacher and then how did it sort of expand from there because you grew up Um, outside Philadelphia right I did first um so first I lived in the city um my dad had 
some stores on South Street, which is like the cool street. He had a punk store. Um, and my mom teaches at Drexel and taught there, there then. Um, so we were very much city-based. Um, but uh, so I took acting classes pretty quickly after that. At, I took improv at the Wilma Theater. Um, and then my – and then I – yeah, I did it at camp kind of. And I did it – I mean, in school, you could only choose to do sports or theater. I mean, in high school at this point and middle school, sports or theater. So I always chose sports um, to, you know, try to fit in um, and because I loved sports. Um, but I always took acting classes on the side. So I would go – then I moved to the suburbs, but then I would go back downtown and take classes at the Actors Center um, pretty much – from middle school through high school and yeah. So I was always on the outside getting that, filling that, that void, that need, that addiction. <laughs> <laughs> was there a role early on that you play other than the, the mouse, the great role um, <laughs> that, that you can point to that sort of helped you decide, okay, I'm going to follow this as a career. You know, cause you went to college, right? To yeah. University of Michigan. Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there a role? Um, uh, I guess, I mean, when I was at camp, I played Ariel. I, I didn't know I could really sing. But after, oh, actually, after the Ben and me, the famous Ben and me, my yes. teacher said, I think you should also enroll her in singing lessons. Because apparently I had a good voice back then. I'm not a singer. Um, <laughs> but I... <laughs> But I took sing lessons and then I played Ariel and the Little Mermaid. And that was kind of like, a oh, I can do this too. And oh, cool. Um, but a specific role, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I never did like full. Oh, actually, when I was younger, I did a, a community theater production at Plays and Players where I, um, it was about Winnie the Pooh. And I played this comic relief, this late rabbit character that they wrote for me that I went down the aisle and handed flowers out to the audience members and then did this little bit with adult actors. So that was fun. Um, I don't know if there was wrote, yeah. oh, They wrote it for you? Yeah, I think so. That's so great. And this was a community theater with adults? That's yeah. How wonderful is that? It was awesome. So, yeah. what, so what, at what point um, did you decide that you oh, right. were going to go for it as a career? I guess the point of the whole thing is I didn't really ever decide. It just kind of like yeah. followed me everywhere. I mean, I did enroll in all these acting classes. So yes, sure. I did decide, but I, um, when it came time to, to apply to colleges, I applied to, I think five BFA programs and then five non BFA programs in liberal arts schools that I wouldn't study acting or I would st- I, I was really into Spanish at the time and I thought I'd do something with that. Um, so I said, if I get into one of these programs, I'll do it. And I got into Michigan and I did it. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I mean, I of course loved it once you're just entrenched in all of the rolling on the floor and, and fighting with swords and voice work and act scene work and everything. Um, I was hooked. I've always been hooked. Yeah. But I think it's, it, I don't know. It, it's just always been with me and, even if I chose sports or anything else, it's always been with me. Yeah, no, it was such a great program. And then, and then I moved to New York um, for a few years, and then I went back to school. I went to um, 
Lambda in London and did uh, the graduate course there. That's fantastic. What inspired you to go to Lambda? Oh, that was training, extraordinary oh. training. Yeah, it was really great. I, um, my brother was studying. He's the opposite of acting. He's very much in the sports world. But he's kind of doing what I'm doing in the sports world. Like, he's very creative. And, um, mm. yeah, he's um, – so he was studying there, and then I went to go visit him. And I thought, oh, while I'm here, maybe I'll check out these schools that I've heard so much about. And I went to RADA, and I looked in there, but I couldn't really get inside the building because they wouldn't let me. I, I mean, I just showed up. How was I supposed to <laughs> take a tour? <laughs> but then Lambda, I went to Lambda, and they were like, yeah, just walk around, do whatever you want. I mean, whatever. And I was walking through these halls, and they had buckets in the hallways collecting rainwater, and the building was just kind of falling apart. And But you could just feel the history in these hallways and then I got to see a show there that night and I I it was kind of this lightning strikes moment honestly there where it was like I am going to go to this school and then I came home and I told everybody I was going to Lambda before I applied and then luckily I got in <laughs> <laughs> what was it about that beside from the buckets of what was it about Lambda <laughs> I love that image I love that dog story um no That's what so was it? Yeah, you could just, I don't know, the wood was just filled with magic. I don't really know how to describe it, but I felt yeah. like I needed to go there. And I also, um, I just wanted to be trained over there and see what that was like. And I had never lived, I spent a summer in Prague one summer, but besides that, I'd always lived in America and I wanted to, um, I didn't even apply to any of the schools in America. I wanted just this sort of safe place where I could only study um without any other distractions of people I knew and sort of figure out what that, what the British training was like. And I yeah. discovered that it's very ensemble based, which I just love um, mm-hmm. and very technical. And I, I was kind of, you know, like my energy was kind of all over the place and they got me to contain it in this nice, I think more grounded way. Um, so that, that was a real, um, that, that kind of changed my whole life and my, now husband was in my class so you know there was that game changer as well oh you met your husband there he was my classmate it was my one rule don't date anyone in your class and now he's quarantined with me here (laughs) (laughs) oh so it gave many gifts to you what what um was it maybe this too dramatic but did it transform that training transform how you um view Shakespeare or, or perform Shakespeare or the classics or even a play like Present Laughter? Did that transform how you approach a script? I think definitely. The course that I took was a, a one-year master's. It was, it was strictly classical theater. So yes. Um, so we studied Shakespeare and we studied the French classics and the Spanish golden age and restoration and Jacobean. So, yeah, so it, I mean, I think the beauty of studying those rich texts is that you can look at anything modern and, and you know, what stakes are essentially, if you learn from the very deep well of what this whole art is, then I think you can apply it to, to everything else. And yeah, you have to feel the, the deepest, feelings and and know exactly and also in Shakespeare there is no subtext so it's very direct 
in what you're doing. Can you talk about your first professional um, job as an actress? When so you you went to Lambda, and then when how, how did you get that first job? And what um, I went to Lambda, then we came back, and I did. Um, we had a showcase in New York and LA, and I got an agent out of LA, and I was living there for a little while. Um, and then I, um, my agent, I ended up going back to New York and then I went back to LA. So, um, my, um, anyway, there was, there was, um, an audition for the flick that came out, but I was in to, for the replacement cast, but I was out in LA. Um, and so they asked me to tape and then I, my tape ended up going right to Annie Baker and Sam Gold and Scott Rudin. And they had me fly pretty much the next day or something and audition for it. And I ended up being the understudy for six months and I never went on. Oh, <laughs> which was so oh. sad, but I did, we had a great understudy performance, but just, um, but I did get to be in the room with, with Annie and Sam and, and, um, and learn what all that was. Um, and it's such a fantastic play. Um, but then after the flick ended, I went in audition for the wolves and I think because Sarah DeLapp's writing for specifically that play was very Annie Baker-esque and we had to do an Annie Baker, we had to do a circle mirror transformation monologue for the audition. And I had just worked with that material. So I, I kind of knew how to do it um, because it is very stylized and it's very, it's very careful. So I I felt like I had a a foot in already, um, so I, yeah, I did that monologue and uh, ended up getting cast as number 46, which was who I wanted to be cast as anyway. Um, <laughs> and I, well, I, there's so many pieces here that are extraordinary that that was your debut in The Wolves. First of all, the flick, I don't know, people that might not know, that won the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, such an incredible play. It is all. It is so extraordinary that play. I would say you could read it and just and I mean you got to see it. But even reading it, it's it's uh, the subtext. You're right. It's thrilling. What and the wolves? Um, and I didn't realize you have this whole sports background. Yeah, so that so help I, inform. Yeah, so your, I played soccer. I chose soccer instead of theater. So it really <laughs> There was this great line about the wolves in the times, this pulsating production at times brings to mind a nine headed Hydra rushing at you on a stream of exploding hormones. And I think, wow, that's, that's a good way to describe the piece. How would you describe the play? The great the line. Um, I would describe <laughs> it. I mean, it was just kind of this, radical notion that there were nine or 10 women on stage who didn't have anything to do with sex at the crux of it. That's what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's these, Sarah likes to describe it as these warriors, these soldiers. Um, But, but yeah, it's, it's just, we're ready for battle. We're non-sexualized because I mean, there are few plays that, that, that sadly have, this um and just being with all women is incredible yeah I would describe it as um um just a very cohesive unit we were so in sync with each other it was the greatest gift of my life it was 
such a special project to work on. And Lila is just a genius um, because she would create, I mean, she would create this safe space for us and then just let us go. But we all, she always had her, her eyes on it and would fix this tiny minutia. And we, I mean, every, the play is set up that um, it's, it's six, I think it's six Saturdays before a game for indoor soccer. And we're stretching in a circle before every game, mostly. Um, and, but we created that, um, that stretching routine together. And we also, we started it up at New York stage and film. So when I auditioned for it, I thought I was just auditioning for a New York stage and film production. And then the same day I got the part, I found out that we were also having our off Broadway premiere in New York. Um, so that was a great day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it was um, extended and extended and extended. And, yeah. And, and then we did it like in center eventually. But, but when yeah. we initially got to rehearse it, we were at New York stage and film with these giant soccer fields. So we were in soccer camp essentially for a summer and that was fantastic. Oh, oh how great that you were yeah. able to uh, rehearse there in, yes. in that setting. So how did you know, your background in soccer help inform? I mean, it's not, it's, it's beyond soccer. Of course it's about yeah sport but it's about I mean it's so rich especially totally. now you know when you think about the lives of women or women or girls going into womanhood mm-hmm. and all that and their connections and all that means it was so real it was very I mean it <sighs> she captured the nostalgia of it in such a perfect way it was very real I mean you had the characters were were so just like that. And so, I mean, they weren't cliche, they weren't stereotyped, they weren't stock characters, the ones that she wrote, they were very rich and real and had all sorts of interests. And they weren't best friends, most of them, but they had this cohesiveness as a team, they were they were just warrior teammates. Um, but yeah, having the, my character was supposed to be the best one on the team. So luckily I did have that soccer training. Um, I had to do a crazy little routine and sing a song and, and just play this weirdo oddball that, um, probably isn't too far from myself, but she is pretty far from myself. I hope she's far from myself. Um, yeah, no, it was just such an incredible experience. And it's not expressly stated but you feel it you know the sadness and the pain of what it means to be growing up and misunderstood and to have all these dreams and it was really remarkable piece yeah yeah Yeah. judy was boring hello then judy discovered jumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And then, here you made your Broadway debut. Um, <laughs> can you talk about, and, well, whether it's trajectory, of, uh, do you want to talk about present laughter? Oh, man. Yeah. Totally so different. different. Yeah. Completely different. Completely different. <laughs> I love um, that. Well, so I, we had done the Wolves at New York Station film, then we did it at the Duke and then, and then I, and then we did it at the Duke again. And during the time in between, I was auditioning for other things because I didn't know what was happening next. Um, And, and so I went in and I auditioned for Present Laughter and weirdly my junior year of college um, my prof- one of my professors, Philip Kerr, was directing Present Laughter upstate, and he asked me to go with him for the summer and do Present La- play Daphne in Present Laughter up there with a guy named Kevin McGuire. So I had, I, I mean, it was like it was kismet. I had this experience already playing this character and learning this world, and then I had this audition. So I mean, it had been a few, I mean, a bunch of years prior, but. I still remembered a lot. And um, anyway, so I went in and auditioned and it was, I think my first Broadway audition. So I was just really excited to be in the room. Um, And then I ended up getting a call back and I got to go in there and have a chemistry read with Kevin Klein. And that was just too cool. He was so nice and such a, such an actor's actor, just such, he's just so ready to play. And we were just playing in that room immediately and then um had the audition did the best I could and then I went to get some sushi because I was on my way to another callback and um and so I was eating there and then I got the call that I got it and so that was just thrilling to to even get it but then working on it I mean Kevin and I just got to play the whole time I don't think our scene was ever exactly the same which is my favorite sort of theater when things are different every night of course you can't do too much <laughs> um, <laughs> different but you know like the way you say something or or a glance or just the feeling behind something um which is something that I really learned understudying the flick because I was watching mm. Krauss and Nicole Rodenberg and they were just they would make lines different every night they would I would and I would watch them come in with something different every night however you're feeling you know um so yeah so present laughter was amazing um and and it was just so much. I mean, I had to start the play. I had to walk out of Gary Eppendine's spare bedroom, take a breath with the audience, and then flitter around the stage and then just gear up to have this romantic scene with Kevin Klein in the top of the play and then come back in. And Broadway's super different than, than anything um, because it's playing to 1,800 people. Um, and it's... Um, I just, I learned so much and it's, I mean, it's very scary because especially when you're doing comedy, you know, immediately how well you're doing because of the audience's laughter. So if you don't get the laugh that you want that night, it's like, Ooh, should I just go die now? I mean, it's, it's Uh scary, but, um, but also when it's, when it's really, when the lightning is there, (laughs) it's there. It's an incredible experience. Was there something like, and you can point to, if not, that's fine. Like Kevin, or uh, that Kevin told you, or or just did 
that you thought, oh, I I hope to do that in my, you know, I hope to take that. He's um, um he's just so alive. He's so mm-hmm. present. He's so funny, but he doesn't. It's not artificial. It's just so grounded in reality. So there was um there were a few nights where th- where things went wrong because it's live theater. Um, but there was this one night where where the painting on the wall fell in the middle of this big scene and he ran over and caught it and did this whole little bit where it was sort of natural. And then there was this other moment where um, Kobe, there's a scene where all of us were on stage at the same time and, and Kobe Smulders does this big thing and then she turns to leave, but her, her, um, her dress, her cloak, hit this water carafe on the stage. And then just in the middle of everything, Kevin just elegantly dropped down and and caught the carafe in midair. And then he did a little bit where he was pretending to drink and then he poured her a glass and then she drank the glass and then left. And just everything he does is so fluid and doesn't he doesn't sort of um, make excuses for things. I mean, he makes excuses yeah. for things. He makes it so real and lived in and so what I would take from him is just being so present and listening and alive. It sounds like he sees mistakes. I, I don't want to presume that I, but it sounds like it seems like mistakes are gifts. That exactly. he takes that's something. And that he'll, because that's it. Then yeah. he'll take something that ostensibly had gone wrong, but he turns it into something workable, yeah. like magic. That's so cool. And then I know you've done so many different kinds of theater. I I love that you were in Happy Talk. Yeah. With the Eisenbergs play with Susan Sarandon. And that was a great, a great part and just a really fascinating, wonderful play. What was that experience like? Oh, that was also, I've been so... Uh, I mean, I've gotten to do a lot of great things with great people, and I'm so grateful to have done it. Um, Happy Talk was great. Jesse is just such a – he's so – he doesn't – his scripts are not precious, um, Mm -hmm. which is so nice for to work with a playwright like that because he's such a collaborator, and it was really, really wonderful to get to – kind of tear things apart with him and and he doesn't care at all because he's just like there for the work and um so we were changing things all the time um and and Susan is just so wonderful and so cool um and then Marin is just a genius and they all I mean it was it was also a great experience I it was a very different character because up until that point I hadn't kind of played mm-hmm. larger than life People and I will say that Jenny or Darby um, was also larger than life in a way, but um, she was kind of more of a like a real person, if that makes sense. Um, and so angry, yeah. So angry, so oh. angry, so trying not to, so going up against her mother, but realizing that she is her mother. Um, so there are a lot of wonderful parallels in that play. Um, yeah, it was it was great. It was a great cast and it was a great time and the new group is so wonderful. Uh, yeah. I learned a lot from her too because she was this staunch socialist and so I've gotten to read a lot of cool books and um, learn a lot about that. 
That's so great that characters teach you, you know, because you're working all the time and in such different kinds of roles. Um, I, 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 I like to do different things. So I'm glad that you (laughs) picked up on that. I I never want to do the same thing twice. I I think acting is, is becoming someone else and becoming and learning to do a different genre. And, and so I never, I, I like to stretch myself. I think that's what's fun about it. So I do like to just keep going for things that I haven't done before. Um, yeah. What about when you're auditioning? Is there something, is it, is it, did you get a very specific, um, technique when you were at Lambda in terms of auditioning or? Um, um, we actually didn't audition there. They just assigned us roles. Oh. Yeah. Um, but I guess, I guess what I did learn is that I used to try to make small talk before auditions when I would get in the room and be like, Hey, uh, blah, 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 blah. and <laughs> it's not about that. They just, I mean, it's about the work and you can, you can get to know somewhat after, but, um, yeah, it's, it's really just, just coming in with, I think Brian Cranston said something like you bring in your suitcase, you show them what you've got. If they don't like the suitcase, you pack it up and you go somewhere else because that's what you're going to give them. So it's that kind of freed me in a way where where it's just you go in and you present what you what your take of the character is and what you've got in your arsenal. And um, if they don't like it, it's not it's nothing personal. Someone else, someone else who was better suited for it, got it. Um, And yeah, I really also think um, I think that I mean, times have. I think changed where it used to be when you're in the waiting room, a lot of the, I guess women before, like it would be very competitive in there and, and people would be looking around and like not wanting each other to do well. And I don't know when it flipped, but I feel like now there's this, there's this sense of like, Oh, you're here. Oh my God. It's, it's so good to see you here. I'm so glad you're here. You would be so good for this part. And it's sort of this new uplifting culture that I've noticed happening that I just am all about because, because it's really like, if you're right for the part, you're going to get the part. I'm not going to get the part if I'm not right for it. So like may the best woman win, you know? So, um, there's also that that's taught me a lot, um, with auditioning is just like really genuinely being happy for whoever gets it. I know that's really hard. Um, but, but I do believe that. And I think, I think, losing the competitiveness between each other in auditioning is really important. I think that's a great approach you know, because yeah. then it, it helps you calm down. Totally. Can you talk about how you're venturing into directing or directing a short film? Yeah, I'm directing a film called We Can Voyage There. Um, I've never directed anything before, um, but I weirdly feel like I, I'll be okay. Um, I've assembled a, it. Basically it's, it's um, my friend, David is a short, David Lerner Schwartz is a short story writer or a, 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 he's a, he's a fiction writer and he wrote this short story and he sent me it randomly and it's about a girl and her mom in space. And I read it and was like, Oh, this would be a great film. And then six months later he was like, wait, should we really do this? Should we make this a short film? And I was like, fuck yeah. We, my friend Josh Altman came on board as the producer. And then my friend RJ Brown and his friends um, started a production company. So we, they're called Floor One Productions. And we got them on board. And um, we have a great production designer and costume designer. 
and a great DP. Um, and so it's all sort of coming together. And we were supposed to shoot last month. Um, and obviously we couldn't, which is sad. So we're trying to figure out now how and when we can do it. But but we're going to do it. But it's, yeah, it's about a, a girl named Chloe and her mom and something called Project Revelations that's going to tell the world if life exists outside of Earth or not. And I won't spoil anything for you, but um, <laughs> kind of sad film. Um, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to to sort of stretch my muscles in a different way because I, you know, I as creators, we should always be figuring out what everything that's happening and, you know, and if you don't have the auditions as an actor, it's nice to fill your downtime with things that are in your control, like directing and farming. (laughs) Exactly. Are you going to be in it as well? I'm going to make a little cameo, but um, it's not really a part for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times when I've talked to actors who say the one thing who have who have been in the projects that they've directed, they say, oh, if I could go back, I would never have been so front and center in it because I, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's a, it's a big job directing that. That's so extraordinary. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool to, like we've done, we've had a lot of production meetings and I've, I made a shot list and shared with my DP and I didn't know that I could do these things. And it's, it's exciting. I really, I'm really into it. And you've been on a number of film sets, right? What because you were in Fosse Verdon. Yeah. Um, oh. that was awesome. That was so fun. Um Let's to see. work with Ben Rockwell and Michelle Williams. Um, but I was gonna say my my yeah. actual first job out of college was Miley Cyrus's stand in on this movie called LOL with Demi Moore. And and that was such a learning experience because I was on set for about six weeks in Detroit. And I just got to learn how film sets work. So I do have sort of a, I mean, I kind of know how things work because I was really interested in, I would just get everyone to teach me what they were doing when they had time. What was that experience like working on LOL? That was really cool. Miley is so nice. They were all just so lovely. Um, Yeah. I was like, oh, this is my first job out of school. And now this is what my life will be like. Okay. (laughs) And then I worked on another movie for like six or so years but um yeah <laughs> but look but, at the in between what you did you know working on you know working yeah, yeah, yeah. walls <laughs> and everything else <laughs> with the Atlantic Theater Company and um you also mentioned you've got a reading coming up yeah I'm doing um in this weird corona zoom time I'm doing this um it's a collection of Tennessee Williams um letters and a couple scenes from the glass menagerie harris yulin is directing it and mercedes rule and eben moss bachrock and he are in it with me um and it's it's gonna be on may 16th and it's to save guild hall for so <gasps> all the donations will go to guild hall i worked there last summer and it's such a fantastic theater have you been there before i love guild hall yeah yeah, a dear friend of mine, every year he's done a show called Celebrity Autobiography, and he also does readings there, and I've seen Equus there. What were you in? Let, yeah, oh, it's it's a wonderful space, yeah. and I, I, I'll never forget, I, I just love that theater so much. I love everything about this antiquated theater. Um, I remember they had um, a screening there with Liza Minnelli. 
last year I did, it was just a one night only uh, Jules Pfeiffer 90th birthday celebration. And we read, we did a staged reading of his play, A Bad Friend or The Bad um and f murray abraham was in it mercedes world was in it and harris Yulin, and it was it was so great i had such a great experience there it's such a special place i mean it's a circus tent painted on the roof on the ceiling of the theater it's such a place um yeah so i'm i really hope they get to be saved and go through this time it's kind of scary to think about all of the theaters what's going to happen with everything after all this there's so many unknowns I know that's so terrifying. That's yeah. it's so it's so moving to me that people are mobilizing, you know, that they're banding together to do whatever they can to help. Yeah. Yeah, because we all yeah. feel so helpless. It's, I know. have to stay home and I don't know. But it is you're right, it's so beautiful to see the sorts of things. I mean, as humans we adapt so quickly and we've all weirdly adapted into this zoom lifestyle i don't know about you but i have like three zooms a day <laughs> I know, I know. It's, like I know. Mafia. it's very odd i i don't i don't know i'm very um optimistic about the theater that it'll come back i can't imagine life without it maybe no. it has um, to come back it's always been there and it always will be exactly it has to come back. It has to come back. That I I love that you're reading Tennessee Williams. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of dark and isolated in his in his way, so it seems pretty appropriate for this. Do you remember one of the first um, shows you saw in New York? Mm-hmm. Coming from Philadelphia, the Philadelphia area when you were a kid, did you? I know I see- saw Chicago. And then I recently did a film with B.B. Newworth, and I got to tell her that I saw her in Chicago, and that was really cool. Um, <laughs> Very cool. How about working with your husband? Oh, yeah. We, um, we luckily, fortunately, have, we have a great working relationship. We, we ended up somehow in, in theater school. Our professors put us in almost every play together opposite each other, and we did a movement piece opposite each other. And then we had to do a thesis, which, which was super special to our school because a lot of the other schools don't have theses. Theses, but we did our thesis together, and we work really well together. Um, we we did some Macbeth. Um, every time I say Macbeth, I have to pause and think: Am I in a theater? Do I have to run around? <gasps> Um, <laughs> but no, together. Um, and our 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 thesis was all about subtext, and we created this sort of Freudian palette of subtext and redefined what subtext is for us um, using these Macbeth scenes. So no, we work we work really well together, and we really want to by the end of this whole quarantine madness to make a film together because we're two actors confined together. Why not? That's so great. I I love this. I I love that that you say, okay, carpe diem, let's make a film. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people, I think, they may want to make a film, but they're too afraid. They think, oh, who am I to make a film? Or how do you do that? Or what gives you that kind of courage? 
I don't know. I think at this point all bets are off. It's just like your <laughs> time. But there is what we we're talking about in the beginning is I, especially in the beginning of all this, felt like I can't do anything. I can't focus. I can't think. My chest feels like it's exploding from anxiety. Um, I'm not going to – there's no pressure to do anything. And I still feel that way. Um, my chest feels a little looser. But there's still the – I don't want to pr- give myself any – pressure about doing something because it's not the point of all this it's really just let's help protect the world and do your part and stay inside but I feel I feel now that um we've been in this weird lifestyle for a little while I'm I'm sort of ready to start doing more and playing around with him that's so great I love that you're artists together and that that's your vocabulary yeah it's nice makes things easier. It's always, I mean, it's also nice when I get the rare audition here to do a self-tape that I have someone who can read with me. It's so fun to talk to you and I'm excited to see your film and all the other wonderful projects. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time and have a wonderful day and happy gardening. Thank you. The theme song was written by Tom McGovern. This episode was edited by Kyle Moore, and the talent was booked by Anna Stroud. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.